you for joining the I Love South Orange County podcast and the ESBC Podcasting Network as we continue our uh, mental health first aid kit on Friday. And we go deeper into uh, the roots of what's going on because I know I speak for me personally, and I'll ask uh, Dr. John, who's with us today. He's a PhD, the doctor in philosophy and, and psychology. Uh, you know, hey, usually I can't sleep at night figuring out a business problem how to make people even more rich, how to do tax mitigation, how to fix a problem for my wife at work. Now what's keeping me awake is that, A, I'm guilty of not being as aware and as educated as I should be on some certain things, and two, that I'm not going through this again. Right? It started with Eric Gardner. Uh, really, it started before that. All right, way before that with Diallo. And even before that, things that I've seen in my personal life, right? I'm not going through this again. And part of the reason I'm not going through this again, because there are solutions. There's tangible things that we can do to evolve and really change, right? But again, like anything, the first, the problem is from within. And then you work from without, right? Because the more you control within, the more you control yourself, the more you power you have to harness to change other things. All right? So, Dr. John, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me again. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, you've been around. And I think a big important word in this is self-reliance. Right? Been on my own since I've been 18. Self-reliance. You've been around the richest, the most famous uh, entrepreneurs in the history and entrepreneurship in the world. You know, a guy like Jay Abraham, right? A guy like Tony Robbins. Oprah, right? People bring up Oprah. Billion-dollar black female Oprah. Let me know who the heck are you and why should anybody listen to anything you have to say? You know what, though? This, this week, Josh, <laughs> I took my notes. I told myself, I'm taking notes on Josh because he asked me the same question for the last four weeks. I haven't really came up with a great answer. So let me explain to you guys. No, the answer for good to me in my book. Here it goes. Here it goes. I am an author of two books. Right. I got interviewed by Maya Angelou. So let me explain the story, right? So she okay. wanted somebody to talk about grandmothers. This is the first time I wrote my first book called Connecting with Your Team. So I didn't, and don't laugh at this, Josh. I didn't really know who Maya Angelou was. I knew that she wow. was an author, X, Y, and Z. They told me that the interviews were only going to last about 10 to 15 minutes. And I said, okay, fine. And the, the interview lasts for 45 minutes. And we talked and talked and talked. Well, afterwards, I did my research on her and found out that she was bigger than I thought she was. I mean, she was almost like a freaking god, small G, right? But it was a great interview. 
I worked also with Anthony Robbins and Chet Holmes and, and Scott Hallman and Jay Abraham and all the list goes, goes on. I have 33 years working in the mental health field, which I've worked with every population, with teenagers, with drugs and alcohol, with SPMI. Um, I worked literally everything. I make the Lifetime show look like PG. Right. What I am is I am a global business coach, meaning that I work with as companies worldwide. And I work on their systems and their sales training, their time management and systemizing the business. And I show them how to actually double their revenue in 12 months or less. And this is who I am. Right. Any other questions, sir? No, man. No, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. Uh, let me read. And something that we're going to get into is a 1619 project being done by African-American uh, writers in the New York Times. And I was figuring out there how to tag you on Facebook. Uh, we're going to be everywhere. Facebook, uh, Instagram, Periscope. Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Vimo, everything, all right? And the 1619 Project, and I knew the, the year vaguely, and I'm getting back into this book, uh, People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn, right? He's a Harvard professor who went to the Library of Congress. He surveyed all the high school and college books, and he took out right? Uh, he, 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 he did a study, did research, what has not been put in the history books that people are supposed to be educated with, right? So we'll start with this. A black American writer, Jay Saunders Redding, describes the arrival of a ship in North America in the year 1619. All right, so now I know what the 1619 project is. And what we're going to do is we are going to tie in what has gone on because they say 400 years, 400 years of conditioning. It's because of 400 years of white supremacy. It's because of 400 years that the George Floyd thing happened. Let's find out whether it's true or not. And you're welcome to chime in, argue with us. This is not the gospel, right? What we're saying is the truth as we perceive it. Zen writes, sales furled, flag drooping at her writing rounded stern. She rode the tide in from the sea. She was a strange ship indeed. By all accounts, a frightening ship, a ship of mystery. Whether she was a traitor, a provateur, a man of war, no one knows through her bulwarks in Blackmouth Canyon yawned. The flag she flew was Dutch, right? So I have 10% Dutch DNA and her crew, a motley, right? Most, and that ties into diversity, right? More diverse ships were more successful. Companies that are more diverse right now make, 45% more cash flow. Her, her port of call, an English settlement, Jamestown, in the colony of Virginia. She came, she traded, and shortly afterwards was gone. Probably no ship in modern history has carried more portentous freight. Her cargo, 20 slaves. 
thoughts on that first pot passage, Dr. John? So then in other words, these were the first slaves that came to, uh, to the USA. Right. So that's where Project uh, 1619 comes so And so then from those 20, that's how they, that's how they is migrated inside the USA. Interesting. And yeah. so what, so and Willie Lynch, so what year, because we're going to get into Willie Lynch and then Willie uh, Lynch Paul was uh, 1712. So this was literally 22 years afterwards, which is, uh, which is ironic because right. I never heard of the 1690. Uh, I know you mentioned the book and everything else. And I know that you love history and everything else, which is a great thing, but all the well, stuff. The thing about history and it kind of links into evolutionary psychology, we, we cycle in every 600 years. I've always been fascinated by the Bible, right? The Bible is a living, breathing document. And it's fascinating to me how many stories in the Bible are relevant, even technology. Exactly. I think dental care was better during the Bible days than it is now, currently today, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, you know, on a real tip. Uh, so with that said, uh, 400 years ago, and I went into that with uh, Lauren, Johnson Norris, prominent attorney from Irvine, California, where Dr. John is from. And when you look at evolutionary psychology and you look at 400 years, that's not that long. And then uh, 1712 was Willie Lynch? 1712, yeah. So that's even shorter. So that's an instant. Yeah, that's Willie Lynch. In, in so, 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 when the slave, so when the slaves came in, in 1690, they wanted a solution to actually how to figure out how to actually work with them and condition them and, and make them more dependent on them. Right. I never saw, I, I, that's, uh, that, that's a great, uh, sad, but I, I do understand now. I understand. They had a lot of the slaves that didn't know what to do with them. And then, and they're probably running around crazy in their mind. And, and they oh, so Willie Lynch really was a management them. consultant. Management consultant to show them how to do slavery, how to tame them, Rolled how to of how to break them, right? Of how to break them so much of that now they're going to, to depend on them. Take the marine, take them up, and, and and then actually humiliate them, dog them out, beat them, whatever it takes, lynch them, whatever it takes to make sure that now they are under their of, of, of the, under their feet right now. Right. Now, something that, that we touched on last week that Howard Zinn touches on, he says, some historians think that the first blacks in Virginia were considered as servants, like white indentured servants brought from Europe. Now, my contention always been that indentured servants and slaves is like the guy at work right, and the office makes fun of this, the guy at work, who they give him the title of vice president, but they don't give him any more money, they don't, you know, they come <laughs> back, and he's like, hey, man, I'm vice president now, oh, right on, you're vice president, how much money do you get, oh, no, I don't get a raise, I just change my title, so, title. indentured servants and slaves, white slaves, right, in that time period, uh, were on the same level, and, and that's interesting, because they don't really mention that that much, Right, they don't mention that that much. Don't because, mention that, that much in that history. Right, because this is the contention, right? Uh, that divide and conquer. So 
institutionalized racism, the roots of it, were in white indentured servants given uh, three bushels of corn and an acre of land, right? And in that contract was you are not to associate with black slaves. So the indentured slave servants, right? The the indentured servants, how many were they and were there a lot of them? Yeah, they they numbered as much as the African slaves. And they were growing uh, as more people came from Europe, more white people came from Europe. Got it, okay. Interesting. Interesting, very much interesting. So, Josh, today, what what are we going to talk about? Are we going to talk Willie Lynch. about Willie Lynch? Yeah, we're going to go from Willie Lynch to Black to Black Wall Street. Yeah, beautiful man. So, let me explain to you what I did, guys. Um, so, can read to us who is Willie Lynch and what what did he do? Right. So, we mentioned about this last week. Do you want me to go over a, a brief? Yeah, yeah. Just give them a recap, and I encourage um, everybody. Even the sports betting, uh, 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 the sports betting podcast. Listen to those for financial education and psychotherapy, because I use the psychotherapy that I learned from Anna to wager on football games and make an insane amount of money. Now, a lot of people talk about things after the fact. You can listen to the podcast of me talking about things before the fact. And then I encourage everybody again to listen to the I Love South Orange County podcast where I describe local political corruption. And I've been blessed. I've spent, you know, 20 years of my life in the Tampa Bay area. I spent uh, two years in New York City, four years in Boston, five in Austin, and 12 here. I've researched every single local government and notice patterns of corruption in each. So I detail those. So you can get ahead of the game and you can see that what's going on with COVID-19 corruption, with riots, corruption. You understand what's going on in Seattle deeper. And that led to the, the podcast I did with Deborah Pauly last night and Dr. Steve Albright, 15 year veteran of the San Diego police force. The podcast before that with Lauren Johnson Norris, criminal defense attorney, right? You, you get all that information, you, you will be armed to understand and get to the roots of what's going on. And where what we do is not only do we give you actionable steps to make money now, today, and put money in your pocket, we also educate you so you can keep track of COVID-19, so you can keep track of the rights, so you can keep track of the recession, right? And, and make sense of the world, all right? Have tools so you can deeply, recently make sense of the world, not around your country. And something that we'll talk about later is interconnectivity. Uh, Governor Cuomo made, a per- we're interconnected. What goes on in China, somebody can eat a bat and in nine hours get on a plane and infect the whole United States. We're all 
interconnected. So the more we know about each other, the better off we will be. So uh, recap us again, uh, who Willie Lynch is, Dr. John. Okay. Beautiful. So Willie Lynch, he was a slave, he was a slave, as you mentioned, consultant. And, right. and, and, and his job was to show the white slave owners of how to condition the black man to be like condition them so they can tame them and he can actually um, do what they say. So his model was to treat him like a horse. Right. And, and then, so of course, what Willie Lynch was doing, um, he was showing them how to take black people and to actually degrade them, but is to make them do what they want to do. So for example, if a black man uh, would do something wrong, uh, uh, what they would do first was they would get everybody out there, his wife, his kids, all his friends, they'll put them on like a pole and they would beat him. Right. And they'd beat him and beat him and beat him until he's almost dead. Right. Now, they said, if you kill him, it's going to be bad for the economics because you want to keep him, but you don't want to keep him that he's still crazy. You want to uh, keep him when he's beat down. When he's beat down like that, then what can take place is the woman's going to look at her son and says, you can love your dad, but don't be like your dad because I don't want you to be hurt. So right. they are conditioning um, blacks, um, old against young, white skin and dark skin. The, uh, the like of them is the uh, dark skinned black folks, they worked out in the field. The light skin, they worked out in the, uh, in the house. So it was going back and forth of this, of, of, um, uh, of, uh, of you trying to break the trust. The outcome was also to take a black woman. And they said, it, we want to put some, a white drop of, uh, of you white blood in them. And what they would do is imagine you're with your wife and your kids and chilling out. Yeah, five white men come knock on the door and they're going to rape your wife. Mm -hmm. There's a sad thing about it. If you do anything about it, you're dead. Right. If you don't do anything about it, in her eyes, you're a punk. You can't do nothing else about it. So now you're stuck. Right. So what do you do? And of course, you know, someone, uh, they would try and they'd get beaten on, and dead. Uh, another uh, technique that he would use, um, he said, you don't use this one this often, is that you take a, a horse, two horses, and you tie a black man when you do anything wrong, and you pull them apart. This way is going to put fear. It's going to put worry. And it's going to put everyone is not going to do anything stupid. Right. Because now they can control. So that's what we talked about last week. And we, all, and we also talked about it more in detail on the last podcast. Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to unwrap it of how I yeah. see it. Now, of, of course, if you guys see it, it's definitely fine, right? And I'm looking at everything. And when I look at things, first I do the research of it. But then I, I, I figure out how it relates to today's society, right? So unwrapping, right? Now, when I looked at like the NBA draft and the NFL draft, right? Right. And, and reading books on slavery, they would do the exact same thing for the slaveries, right? They would see if he's lean, how quick he was, how much he can jump, the whole nine yards, and they would sell him to the highest bidder, right? Now, with the NBA and the, and the like of NFL, they sell it to the, the highest bidder. Now, I'm not saying that the in uh, that you the nba 
owners are slave masters. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just giving you an analogy, right? It's so been imagine. said, though, and, it, and now I get it, all right? So now I get it when several times throughout, because, uh, you know, being – I'm not really a sports fan. I've been conditioned in sports has been – uh has been uh uh slammed in my face it has been uh pressured upon me sports i spent a whole year without watching sports and people were like what you spent a whole year and i did a howard cosell right when howard cosell quit i saw so much corruption in sports i saw so much cheating right that mm -hmm. i did not watch sports however i wagered on the game it, 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 and this makes me very, 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 very upset, okay? And I wagered on sporting events more money than what black people make in St. Pete, Florida right now, medium income, $10,000. I bet $10,000 the medium income on sports, and I wasn't even watching the game, Right? because it was so corrupt and the outcome was so clear to me just using business and financial concepts. So the average income. And I mean, and, and that makes me mad because that's, that's uh, a, a, and I guess I'm sorry about this, but it's a conversation that before the podcast that I was in and, and, and it's obscene because it, it's a problem within within the black community did that happen it's a problem with their oppressors and back to the original point that we we're talking about before i flew off the handle is that maybe 25 years 25 years i've heard uh black professional athletes and even some white professional athletes compare owners to slave masters and hey you can't say, think that Sterling wasn't like that. He got kicked out of the NBA for that mentality. Yeah, I mean, so, but now, but but here's the key, though, Josh. There's some, in, in, is, is NBA players who go to the NBA and they get freed. And let me tell you how they get free, the freedom part. We talk like a, a Michael Jordan and a Magic Johnson. The people who took the money, figured out what to do, got in business, got in their investments, and they made something from themselves. There's some athletes who's in the NBA, living paycheck to paycheck, or when they get done, they have no money. How can you make $100 million in eight, nine, 10 years, and you're broke? How, how, how can you have your entourage of 40 or 50 people who are not working with you and you're paying them 50 to $100,000 per year. Just, just, just to be around you. Right. Right. And so my biggest thing about it is, is, is conditioning again, though. Everything right. that, that we do is first is patterns of that we see because as, because as, as, as a child, we see patterns. We see what our parents do. We see how they spend money. We see how they save money. We see if they go to church. We see if they don't go, go to church. And we model that as behavior. Now take it. We get this all this money, right? 
what we what are we going to do we're going to really do the same as behavior until we get a new voice a new right. voice could be a mentor a coach someone's going to actually show us or what to do differently, how to spend your money is differently, how to invest our money is differently, how to say, okay, you're, you're gonna get all this money, say 50 is per, is, is per cent and invest it and spend the rest. Right. Now, if you don't have anyone telling you this stuff, it's amazing now, as a basketball player, he's not my favorite, but for a business guy, I love Brian James as a great business guy, and I'll tell you why. Right. He got his information from Warren Buffett. He didn't go to anybody else. No, no. If you're gonna get your your, your, your information of how to of how to actually do your money from Warren Buffett, a guy who's making was it fifty, sixty billion dollars? Well, yeah. now now what you go, is going to do is you are going to break through the chains of slavery. Because now you're going to interrupt that pattern of how they had us do in the Willie Lynch time, conditioning, right. massa this, massa that, is depend on massa. But now is when you interrupt that pattern, you go right. to college, you go to school, you be an entrepreneur, everything changes now. But and we'll get to solutions at the end, but that, that, uh, that seems to be what we need to do on a massive level, right? It's massive pattern interrupt. Exactly, because think about it. In slavery time, what did they want us to do, especially black folks? They right. wanted us to, to depend on massa. Massa, can I do this? Massa, can I do that? Massa, can I do this? And what they wanted you to do, hey, don't show John how to read. Don't show John how to write. Let him be dependent on us. And of right. course, there's a lot of people with us, but then, and we're gonna get into this a little bit later. All right, so let me ask you this, right? Because we were talking about this on the on the Monday, one and done. Right? Okay. The one and done's they go to John Calipari. Yep. John, now, now I understand what John Calipari does. John Calipari says, depend on me. I'm gonna teach you the skills to get into the NBA. All you need to do is come to be when you're in Kentucky, then you go to the NBA. Now, Adam Silver, which I consider the devil, right? Because he's making me pay for the NBA pass. And there hasn't been any NBA. It's going to be four months without NBA, yet he wants money that could be going to my retirement, could be going to whatever. He's taking my money and not giving me a refund. But uh, he shut down the NCAA tournament. And I was like, well, that's a personal issue right now. Yeah, you and I, you and I have been in business. So he, he shuts down the NCAA tournament. He conspires against it because they were going to get more market share during March Madness because they were going to shut down. So he selfishly goes berserk in, in emotional control, right? I let mm -hmm. myself go because I wanted to because it was healthy. But if I'm in a business meeting, I could control myself. He couldn't. He went completely berserk. And he lost money on China. And they talk about black people living paycheck to paycheck, right? Uh, he's living paycheck to paycheck because he's not giving the refunds back. He's going berserk over the NCA. And now he wants to eliminate the one and done. He wants the kid, let me know if I'm right, right? Knee-jerk knee reaction, Dr. John, let me know if I'm right. He wants the high school kid to go from high school. He doesn't want him to have the choice because right now he has the choice, right? The kid could go right to the NBA or he can go to, you know, Kentucky or wherever. He wants to eliminate that choice. He wants the kid to go straight from high school 
to the NBA slave mastery. Or let's not use those words and be racially charged and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Let's not use it. Yeah, let's control him. Let's get this guy underneath our control and dependent on the NBA. Because if he goes to Kentucky or whatever, he can meet some guy who's a hedge fund manager and says, hey, I want you to be my number two. You'll be making more money than even playing in the NBA. And it'll be less stress on his body. You can play basketball on the weekends. Um, so there is two points, right. right? First point, everybody in business is a, most people in business are capitalists. They want to make money and they want to make money on everything, right? So I, I, I like his business attitude. It's, it's, it's a business concept, right? Right. Um, for me, if I was an athlete that, that darn good, I would want to have a choice. The choice is I could either go to Kentucky for right. my one or two years to get a little bit better, to figure out what was going on. Because having an 18, see, here, here's the biggest challenge. The kid who's coming in, he's 18 years old. He's playing basketball with men. They have nothing freaking in common. Right. At all. These guys are trying to chase women, do this, do that. They have their, you know, they do whatever it takes, right? Now you have an 18-year-old kid in the mix with them. My opinion is the kid should get at least a year or two of college before he goes out. He needs, well, he needs to, to develop some, his mind. He needs to develop a lot of things, man, because... I mean, when I was 18, is you know, here goes. I come from a family of 10, right? So I'm number eight out of 10. When I was 18, I couldn't hang out as well as my older siblings at all. Because you know what they tell me? You're too young to get away from me. You're too immature. You do things that's crazy. And guess what? They were probably right, right? So, but my biggest thing about it is 18-year-old kids should not be a grown man. It's going to be too hard for them. And they got to... Unless they have another 18-year-old kid on the same team, which that's hardly ever. But to your point, the guy's a businessman, and he's looking at he's looking at everything as being money, and he's looking for everything. So, so the uh, so his um so his franchises we're gonna call them franchises. So right. his franchises can make money. Because right. now they got was it don't they have what the CBA? Now yeah. the CBA is glorified. I mean, they're paying some crazy money right now. No, right. back in the day it was thirty, forty thousand a game. I mean, right. a year. Now it's six-figure contract, shoe contract. I mean, they're getting literally everything right now. It's going to be interesting how the NBA and the um, college is going to take place because the college don't pay these athletes. Well, now they are. So now it's going to change, right? But really, but yeah, they're going to start paying him now, and we can pay him. We're going to bring him on the podcast. Uh. They should pay part of the. That's part of. Uh, we, I mean, because, I we're talking revenue streams. We uh, we are going to get college athletes on the podcast, and we're going to share the advertising revenue with them. On Monday, we have Houston Baptist All American Ben Raslas. He is longer, faster, better than Cooper Cup. We expect them to be in the NFL. Uh, He's already doing interviews for the NFL. The guy, the guy's a superstar. He's going to be on with us. And uh, there's no need, in my opinion, to reinvent the wheel. Right? True. Uh, Michael Jordan. What did – and, and this is, kills me, right? And I think you see it the same way, and we talked about it yesterday. Every NFL team runs different. Every company has its own thumbprint. You use the consultant, you know – 
you can only train so much, right? So you kind of figure out what is the, the fingerprint of that company, right? And I'm always shocked at that best practices aren't transferable and, and more open as they are in certain situations. And this is a particular instance where I think that George or the uh, Michael Jordan model should be used everywhere, right? Dean Smith is coach in North Carolina. What'd he do? He roomed him with a white rich kid who taught Jordan how to play golf, right? And he taught him that most business deals are done in the golf course. And he taught him finance and he taught him business in two years. And Jordan picked it up. Now Jordan's a billionaire. So Every college, that's what I would do. And then again, you hit to, and I'll make sure, hold me accountable, uh, uh, Dr. John. On Sunday, I'll make sure to put out my diversity article. So here it goes. Let's right? Because that's diversity. Right. Most now, diverse companies make 45% cash flow. So you now, take the black basketball player, you put him, you room him with a white guy whose dad's a hedge fund manager, right? And like you said, you change the narrative, right? You change the narrative and you interrupt the pattern. Hopefully. So now I agree with you. Now let's take Magic Johnson, which I loved what he did, right? Right. And all these young players, what do they do? Well, let's, let's talk about Magic Johnson. Hey, Magic me, Johnson gets Magic out of school. Michigan State, goes straight to high school, and, and he, Jerry Buss taught him business. No, 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 no. Uh, Magic went, no, no. Magic went to um, Michigan State. He went to Michigan State two years. He did not go straight out of high school. You're right. Yes. Jed Heathcote right. won the national he, championship right. over Larry Bird Which, in 1979. Exactly. At Indiana State. But what right. I loved about but what I loved about Magic was, opposed to them playing video games, right. he he freaking met every business guy that was around because he said he's not going to play forever. And no, right, no, he, he, and here uh, goes. Magic Johnson's smart, and you're right. He sat down I mean, with every single businessman. Everybody. He, he talked to Jerry Buss. He, um, he talked Olvitz. to the teams. He yeah. talked to everybody about that because you know why? Because he wanted to break because he wanted, he wanted to interrupt that pattern. Because he and not only probably, this is what Magic did, this is, the, the, this is the smartest thing, in my opinion. Let me know what you think, Dr. John. This is the smartest thing Magic Johnson did. That business manager he, he got, he played like two years in the NBA, uh, graduated from the University of, of Washington. He outsourced all his business deals and business research to that guy. And that guy has been a, a brilliant entrepreneur in business uh, guy. He graduated from the University of Washington, played two years in the NBA, befriended Magic Johnson, has been his business partner until today. Well, that, he did an extremely well job there, but Magic was even smarter, and you mentioned on this as well. He, what he talked to was like Dr. Buss, and he figured out how to run a business, met all of his friends, all his business partners, and that's how he became a businessman. Magic's worth well, was eight hundred fifty right? million. Right. There's only four ways to make money, right? Money from labor, money from capital, real estate, and inheritance. Magic didn't need the inheritance, but Dr. Buss became a multi-billionaire in real estate. 
And then they, they combine the real estate things. But actually, Magic took it a step farther because Dr. Buss was residential real estate. He made a mm -hmm. couple billion. He didn't make anything else. But Magic started in residential real estate. And then he successfully, with that brilliant uh, black business partner he has, they were able to translate it into commercial real estate. And this is the one detail people don't get about Magic. Because one guy came at me because I was saying how brilliant businessman Magic Johnson was. And he's like, oh, he's not brilliant. He just has Starbucks franchises and own theaters. Anybody can do that. I'm like, no. Magic owns the whole strip mall where <laughs> the theater is. He's just Magic's making money on top of, top money. of money. Now, not only does he own the strip, he also owns the theater franchise where the theater is playing movies at. I agree. No, Magic, Magic's a genius. And, you know, but see, those guys, they got out of, they saw, they used their opportunity as being this NBA basketball superstar. Now they're a, now they're a business mogul. And right. there's very few players who can do that. A lot of them, what takes place is they get inside the NBA, they got the cars, they got the girls, they got the jury. Ten years later, they're broke as hell. They're just, I mean, I mean. 80% 80 of athletes, professional athletes, end up broke to this yeah. day. I thought that we were going to yes. break that power, but they have. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, as, you, as you're talking about white, black, blue, and green, it doesn't make a difference. If you cannot manage your money or mismanage it or else don't know who's managing your money, you are SOL. Right. And most people, they're SOL. Unless... You get, unless as you get mentored or you get coached or you get a new voice of that's going to show you how to make money. Here it goes. LeBron James, I think he's a freak by nature, by Athletico. I don't like the way he played, but I think he's a great player. Right. Business-wise, I'm impressed. Well, his, the guys didn't even graduate high school. On, all all these on guys point. Are very, they're very tight. They're very good. Very it's on point. But yeah. but then they get feedback from guys like Warren Buffett and all these great hedge well, funds. They have access. Crazy. The exactly. LeBron and his uh, agent, Paul, uh, it's always better to be lucky than good. And I've been very fortunate, right? But two things, right? They've been lucky and good in that LeBron has evolved. LeBron is open to change. LeBron is open to be pitched a business idea, but him and his agent, Paul, who didn't even graduate high school, but is a highly intelligent individual, once they're getting pitched these things, they're like, okay, they keep asking questions and they figure out why they're being pitched, whatever they're being pitched. They find out the whys. Of course. And then the what and then the how. And right. that's how they've educated themselves to get right. to a point where they have evolved. Because yeah, LeBron is a very different individual than he was 15 years ago. I, I saw LeBron up close 15 years ago. All right. And then I had a client who's a, the podiatrist for the, uh, the, the United States Olympic team. And he used to be on the phone with me every day, you know, this guy, LeBron, is such an a-hole. Uh, LeBron, uh, you know, told me to walk two miles to get his shoes because he forgot it. And I'm like, 
you're a podiatrist. You have 10 kids. This guy has 10 kids. It's funny. You come from a family of 10 kids. So if you have 10, 10 kids, kids great, man. you have a practice where you're making $5 million a year, don't let LeBron talk to you that way. And if he does, call me. I'll go over there, and I'll say, F you, LeBron. I'll kick you in your knee, and your career is done. Don't talk to my client that way. Right? That was 15 years ago. That's not the LeBron I see now, which means that LeBron is in the top two, three percent, right? Where of what? he is capable of change and evolving. And one guy was saying, what, what do you think? One guy was saying, hey, the reason LeBron has been able to make this transformation, the way that guy Paul has been able to evolve in business and advise LeBron is because they, they got so much money, they get pitched things in their environment that you and I can't get into because we just don't have, you know, $20 million laying around. I mean, I mean, he goes, man, LeBron was blessed with a lot of things and he right. used his money in, in the right way. And he got, and he got the best mentors and the guy that he went to school with. I mean, uh, he got training for a lot of people and he is successful, but there's a lot of other in, NBA players who's doing the exact same thing. And it's making the right choices. It's all about making goals. They're helping people out. Right, right. But it's all about making the right choices and don't have that conditioning of that was set up 400 years ago. Another one is Floyd Mayweather. I don't know much about Floyd, to be truly honest with you. I mean, Floyd Mayweather does not know how to read, but he's still a brilliant uh, businessman. He he was able to interrupt the pattern of his dad. His mm-hmm. uncle, Roger Mayweather, who all of them died broke, and Mayweather could be a billionaire if he wants. Uh, he owns strip clubs all over the country. They're all very, very successful. He doesn't know how to read, oh. but it doesn't matter. He has different types of skill sets and intelligence. To because it's funny. It's funny. Um, Fifty Cent was making fun of him for not reading. But Mayweather has a lot more money than 50 yeah, cents. I mean, I mean goes, when people make fun of you like that, they're wanting to get their own security. Right? I mean, and, and, they're, and, and their significance is so if they, tear, if you, if they tear, tear you down, they look, feel, if they look better, they feel better, everything else. So my, my second thing is to unwrap this whole thing about it. We, as we talked about sports, my next one is, so Remember how they Black Wall Street. so Black Wall Street break that down and how that ties into the conditioning and uh, maybe the way our current slave masters, for lack of a better word, matter of fact, white enthusiasts want to. I will hit Black Wall Street in, in, in one moment because this is going to be a huge one that I, I think is really is going to be focused on back sure. 400 years ago. Um, the uh, the the slave masters wouldn't eat certain food, and the certain food of that they wouldn't eat. The slaves had to eat, so we call that soul food right now. It's right. a glorified food of that we actually have. And of course, people still eat the the freaking soul food, right? But it's the fried foods and all the and then all of the nasty stuff is right there. If you eat that each each and every day, right? Right. The health is not going to be the greatest, right? But if you want to get the healthy food, right? The healthy food's gonna cost four or five times as much money. Now I eat about ninety percent healthy, right? That cost me, and I'm a single guy, right? That cost me five to six hundred dollars a month just on food alone. 
because the salads cost money, the organic stuff costs money, all the stuff costs crazy money, right? Absolutely. And the black, and, and you, the black community, we have in every place fried wings or cheap food or cheap hamburgers as well as liquor stores, right? Now, right. When, as, 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 as when you get in other neighborhoods, like when I used to live, uh, for example, I live in Irvine right now, right? We have uh, uh, we have bookstores. And Irvine in is a, a safe, affluent uh, community. It's, it's one of the it most is, safest, affluent uh, communities in the country. It it, it, it truly is. But but and even that's where you're living, living and you're thriving in. No, and then even while I'm living in the state of um, uh, when I live in Portland, Oregon, or anything else, we as right. we as what we had was is a bookstore and a strip club at every block. <laughs> right which is crazy as heck right but right. again though it's conditioned again right so so like they condition us to eat the certain food that we now that we glorify it but right. then i was talking to my sister as earlier as today i said you know they glorified it but then she says but john have you ever went to a health food store i said yeah she says it's three and four times as much imagine you having five and six kids can you afford three and four thousand bucks of food i says no and she said, well, that's the reason why. I said, great point, right? So so for the slavery part of it back 400 years ago, we're still in certain areas, we are still as conditioned. But here's a cool thing about it, or a different thing about it too, right? Even back in slavery, yeah, the black folks was conditioned, but so was the white folks. Right. And here's how they were con is con is conditioned. Imagine you're seeing your, your father have a, a, a black slave. Well, right. you're going to think that's, that is the way that things should be. And you're gonna act the exact same way. And, th and then you mentioned, well, why are we having all of these issues right now? Because they, be, as, um, as because they are conditioned for that entitlement. They are conditioned to think of that they are better. Here again, though, it's not everybody. So I just want you to know, it's not everybody. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I was born and raised in the state of Indiana, Michigan City. Love it to death. I went to an all-white school. First couple of years, we're, as, as we were the only black family there. But those people, I mean, since I have, since I'm number eight, right? They treated me like gold because I had so many sisters and brothers ahead of me, right? But the concept is that a lot of them is conditioned to treat you in a certain way and don't even know it. Now, now, black, now, 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 one thing I'm gonna throw at you. Right. Go ahead. It's triggered by what you just said. Yeah. It's triggered what you just said. And that's what I love about podcasts. Is we can get in depth. Right? And we can be spontaneous. A recession, right? Recession, uh, yes. And I, and I talked about homelessness. It's never just one factor, right? It causes a guy, a normal guy to be homeless, right? He gets mm -hmm. cancer, gets divorced, uh, and then they fire him from the job. He doesn't have access to health care. He's in a pandemic, right? Boom, he's homeless, right? It's never just one fact. 2008, it was uh, mortgage-backed securities have a risk level of zero, right? He's a Harvard PhD, brilliant people, brilliant economists who came up with this risk scale. It should have been 100, right? Uh, and then you have deregulation by the Bush administration, right? And then you have the elimination of uh, capital gains tax. <laughs> Seems similar to the economic conditions now, right? Where 
Okay. Like the Trump tax. So it's never one thing that causes a recession. Never one thing that causes homelessness. Okay. Now, I had a podcast with Sean Gordon, white Mormon guy from Rancho Santa Margarita, another affluent, affluent God's country place around here. And he brought in the concept of other. And I think that's very important, right? Because both of you and I have been the concept of other, which is not just race, right? For him, he's Mormon, right? So he's other, he goes to school, everybody there is Baptist or atheist or hipster. It's not a lot of Mormons, so he is other, right? And they even have it on applications, right? You're either whack, black, blah, blah, or mm-hmm. other. Other. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you have what you're saying, you have that conditioning, and then you have, like you're in that school, you have the concept of other on top of that. Right? Because if you went to an all-black school, you still could be other. You could be light-skinned. You could be tall. You could be whatever. Right? It's that concept of other, right, on top of what the conditioning that you're talking about. Right. So, and what's your question, sir? No, that, that that creates, right, and I guess I'm going evolutionary psychology, that creates <laughs> an overwhelming limiting factor or barrier to overcome because not not only are you overcoming uh and my family went through the things of other as immigrants coming to the united states you're other on top of the race on top of so, the i mean race. i mean now how about this now so i was talking to my brother um i got brothers we're like about 18 months apart right right and, and, my, and my brother ben said it could you imagine you're black right you are lesbian and you're overweight he says, what do you do? Right. Now, what you have is three things walking into a place against you. Right. How do you deal with this? Right. What do you do? What's your, how can, how is that interesting? That's straight out of uh, uh, the, the thing that got the guy fired at Google, the Google Manifesto. He talked about a, a fat black lesbian, right? Oh, really? I see. <laughs> no, man, no. You know, though, my brother Ben, he, he's a true black, genius. Black. <laughs> Fat lesbian with a math degree from San Jose State. But he was like, there's no way we should hire her. That was his point. You know, why should we be forced to hire a fat black lesbian from a math major from San Diego State? Right? I would say it's a consultant taking emotion out of it. You need to hire her right away. Because she brings you several oh, yeah. levels of diversity, and diverse companies make forty-five percent more cash flow. Well, well, there's there's a there's a couple things, right? But, but she's gone through a lot. No, but there's a couple things, right? If she's gonna add value, and if she's gonna do the job extremely well, hire her hundred percent of the time, right? I don't look at the color if they're bright, black, blue, or green. That doesn't make me a difference. If they can do the job. Let's move forward. And if you're but, but let's talk about reality though, right? Because I think you make a good point. We need to shift, right? From legacy, right? So legacy means that uh, people can watch that, right? The whole scene with the Bible where, where Trump's mm-hmm. walking across the street. Who's walking behind them, right? It's all white. You got Ivanka and Jared. <laughs> Why is, is Jared and Ivanka qualified to be? advisors to the president of the United States. 
100% no, they're not there. But what you're talking about is merit-based. Have whoever it is be qualified to advise the president of the United States of America and tell him, hey, yeah, you shouldn't tear gas some skinny, rich, white kids who are protesting. You shouldn't gas them and beat them up so you can walk across the street, right? Right. Uh, so, yeah, so you're, you're bringing up merit-based. Hire somebody based on merit. And as uh, right. simple because, as I mean, hard as that is, people don't do that. Because, I'll give you a perfect example. And I said it at the city council. I have a client. I love her to death. She works for Johnson & Johnson, and she oversees 469 companies, right? And we talk mm-hmm. about hiring process. And she's like, well, I brought in, I have this job, I have a list of 10 people. I said, do you know any of those people on that list? She's like, yes, I know like four of them, all right? They're, they're eliminated. Because if you want to do a good job and hire a really good diverse candidate, you can't hire somebody you know. It, we have to shift, right, to a merit-based society, right? You know, and, and then for black people to be successful in a merit-based society, what you're saying is they have to be self-reliant, right? Well, I mean, in a, 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 a couple of things, right? And, right. And here's how I was taught, right? My dad always taught me that I had to be 100 times smarter than anybody right. because you have to play that A game, right? And, and then here it goes, if I'm a hundred times smarter than you, well, then of course I should get the job because I'm a big guy's no one's going to outwork me. And I tell people this, you, uh, you could be smarter than me, which I haven't found that many people, but you could be smarter than me, but you're never going to outwork me. Right. right? And, and, and when my brother and I, as we're talking about this also, yeah, we want you to hire black, but hire blacks that, that are qualified. Not, we don't want you j- just to get a quota. And I've, then I got a black person there. Right. right. We don't want the quarter part if we want the person who's qualified for. But to make your point, what I was saying is that if you have all these three things against you, quote unquote, on the society, they're going to look at you in a completely different way, which is sad. Right. Because it shouldn't be based on color, but people do based on color. It, could, it shouldn't be based on if I'm straight, gay, or bi. That doesn't sh- much but they're going to base on it shouldn't be it's based on if i'm skinny fat or else whatever but they based it on that right it's a conditioning process we got to interrupt that pattern everywhere so then we can just live a life and when people mention black and white it's crazy to me because now it's known they're trying to separate black people and white people now and and, and then it's a complete challenge because that's what we're facing right now with the George Floyd stuff and all these people who died in the last five or six months have been crazy, man. And the last 400 years. So it's just a challenging thing that we have to get over. But I was just mentioning that as a point. Absolutely. And what we got are answers on these podcasts. That's why I'm I'm extremely, uh, extremely proud of the the one with, uh, because you got to combine them because each person brings a different element. Of course, like I mean, Bernard no, Wolfman, an I mean, wealthy lawyer, uh, mentor of mine, told me 30 years ago: when you hire a lawyer, you go to five because you get 20 percent of the truth from 10. You get so we got elements from Lauren Johnson Norris. We got elements from Dr. John. We got elements from Dr. 
Steve Albright, author of 23 books last night, right? And I've been giving you local political corruption, right? Because local, on the local level, you see these people at the grocery store, right? And they want to sell you life insurance. They want to, uh, they, they want you to hire them as an attorney. So you have leverage to influence their vote on the city council. If you have a good plan, not if, when you have a good plan, and it's logical and well thought out, you could get them to vote on your side and do change. We'll get to specific change at the end. But if you listen to all these podcasts, not only are we telling you what the problem is, not only are we describing the problem, but we're giving you solutions. You can't get that anywhere else in the country. That's why this podcast is blowing up so much. Dr. So John. Let's hit on Black Wall Street. I think that's a great segment to go in there, right? So, so what in the hell is Black Wall Street? Black Wall Street was pretty cool, man. So, so these are these Black people who moved to the South from 1800s to the 1900s, right? Right. And they wanted to get away. So, so, so these are all Black folks. And they wanted to get away from the racist South. Right. And they moved to a place called Tulsa, Oklahoma. Anyway, Tulsa. And they created this place called Greenwood District. Now, in this district, they had banks and hotels and restaurants and stores and judges and offices and theaters and grocery stores. And this all ran by black people. Got it. Right? Got it. So what took place in this, and this happened in about, I think it was 1921. Okay. Time, right? So what happened was they had this guy named Dick Rollins. Um, he was on an elevator with this lady called Sarah Page. Got it. And what happened was Sarah was getting ready to fall, so Dick grabbed her. And then what happens was Sarah said that, of course, Dick raped her. Right. Dick ran away. They caught him. They put him in jail. Sarah, she didn't press charges. So, of course, they had to let him go. So they're letting go. Uh, a bunch of white folks was coming down there. They're pissed and angry. How can this black man I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z? And of course, they're not calling him the black man. I don't right. use the N word because I'm not gonna use the slave word at all. I don't. Do, why, I do not define why, myself why, as that. No, no, no. Yeah, why, no, no. Why, why capitulate to their condition? No, no, no. Exactly right. So, so, <laughs> no, right. so I'm just saying that just to let people know. And I can't. I hate that damn word. To be truly honest with you. So anyway, so so back to the story. I'm right? at the point where like you gotta kill me. I don't have any kids. You gotta kill me before I capitulate yeah. to my slave master's condition. Exactly, and his words and new stuff. Anyway, so so there's a bunch. So to a bunch of white folks that they heard about it, and this is somebody they had a gun, and they're gonna shoot Dick, and they start struggling over the gun and everything else. The gun went off and accidentally shot the white guy. Mm. Oh my God, man, the white folks got mad. The black people tried to like calm them down, X, Y, Z. Man, they came into the Greenwood district with their guns and everything else, and they burnt up 35 blocks. They killed over 1,000 people in that area. And they said, this lady was mentioning that their airplanes flying and actually shooting stuff down. See, mm. people said, here it goes, this was not a riot, guys. This was a massacre. And here's, a, and here's a sad thing about it was this incident was hidden in American history until about maybe 
2000 when it came out again because there was a couple survivors was mentioning this and they thought that they were like a little wacky. But when they found out in history, it was true. Mm. Now, here's, here's my whole thing about it. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this, right? And, and here's how my brain works. I'm imagining I'm a, I'm a white kid at eight years old. And I'm watching my father kill these people, burn them, shoot them, put planes on them. How am I going to grow up? I'm going to grow up thinking that I can do this. I can, I'm going to grow up thinking that I'm entitled. I'm going to be thinking that it's okay to do this. It's not a problem. Because now I'm taking it through generations, 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 generations. And now we have the, now we have the issues now. I cannot imagine. There's a couple of, of, of the white folks. What is was saying, these black guys have grand pianos. I don't. I'm like, well, damn it, work for one if you don't have one. I mean, <laughs> work for the damn thing. I mean, this is America. You work right, for it. Right. Well, and they say, well, why does this black guy have it and I don't? Well, damn it, it's called work. Right. You know, I can't imagine that I'm going to come from the south, try to go to a place that is very safe, and I'm going to get burnt out. I'm going to get chased out. I'm going to get beat up. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to see, see, see my kids again. And they kill over a thousand people. And here's the sad thing about it, man. Nothing happened to them. Nothing. Mass so, murder. So here it goes. People said it was a riot. It's not a damn riot. See, a riot is you, you take stuff, you, you know, you tear shit up, right the cross stuff. You don't massacre over a thousand people. And women, not just the parents, but the kids. Right. See, they just didn't do the parents. They didn't do the doctors or the judges. They did the wives. They did the kids. They did everybody. Mm. And guess what they did? They tucked it under and didn't say nothing for 80 damn years. Now, was it uh, when uh, Floyd, uh, when George Floyd um, got uh, murdered? Right. Um, that, was not, that was 99 years that same week. 99 years since that happened. And here's the sad thing about it. Now, here's the sad thing. There have never been a black Wall Street yet. There's never been a place where black folks had the banks. Um, and, and, and then as the black folks had all this stuff, there was even, as mentioned, in, I was reading some articles, some of the black folks there had, had their own airplanes. They were that successful. This is 1921 known, guys. Right. The Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. And this hit like that? To me, so when the I read... The beginning of the, of the, of the, of the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, when I read that and I'm listening to it, I'm doing, I did, I did a lot of research on it. And I'm like to myself, I, and now what they're doing right now, and after a hundred years almost, now the descendants of these people, they give them scholarships to college and X, Y, and Z, because now they feel bad of what they've done. People call it a riot. I call it a massacre. See what I'm seeing in these different states in the last three weeks is riots. Now, do I do? Do I support it? No, I don't. I don't support the rioting. I don't so support the looting. I don't support any of that stuff. Not at all. Well, that's the thing, right? Uh, the same way as a recession, the same way uh, a person without a drug addiction, a person without severe mental illness, how does that person become homeless, right? It's a series of negative factors in, in uh, 
bad luck events. The same thing with uh, racism, economic inequality, police brutality is not just a simple fix. It's not just a phrase. It's not just Black Lives Matter. It's a lot complicated than that. There's a lot, yeah, you know, there's many complicated <laughs> factors you can address. You know, and I'm happy that you mentioned the Black Lives Matter stuff, right? I'm happy that you mentioned that. So I was talking to a person on Facebook, right? And they said it, yeah, black life matters, but white life matters, blue life matters, green life matters. And, I, and I'm looking at her and I, and I says, do you know what the movement of black ma life matters is? Yeah, because you want black folks to matter. I says, no. I said, let me explain to you. It is the injustice of that been taking place the last 400 years. Right. I says, listen to me. All it's not just injustice. If we left it just as injustice, because justice and the law are are not even distant cousins. They're cousins, you call them cousin because you get along, right? The law and justice have no correlation at all. It is not just that. It's uh, bigotry. It's economic inequality. It's uh, fake well, black leaders who what they do is report to the FBI and conspire against their own community. It's, uh, you know, rappers glorifying violence and uh, perpetuating a stereotype in slave master conditioning on a grand scale, right? I mean, yeah, okay, and you're right. To me, that's all it's that- It's a lot of stuff. Is, is, and, and then you're right, but it's all wrapped into one. Right. And, and, and what I like Gary V and Gary V was saying, listen to me. Right. A lot of my friends are black. All lives do, is, is do matter, but let them get, have their, have their 15 minutes of fame. So, 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 so like, it's like, and then we can actually work on some issues, work right. on some stuff right. and then get change to, things. Gary right? V's a businessman. And change things. Because you mentioned a great point last week, which I really uh, took note to. So I, I do listen to you. The point that you made, you said that in the protest, we have 60, 70 percent white people. Right. And you said the reason why they're protesting, yes, black lives do matter and they understand that concept, but also with police brutality. Man, in the last week, I've been seeing so many police get fired, get on tape, choke women. Really, right. man? Yeah, choke hold a damn, I mean, you couldn't yeah, like- I gave you some insight into last night, Dr. Steve, Okay. 15 years on the force, right? 15 years on the mm -hmm. force gave us a brilliant breakdown on POPs, pissed off police. Please break Which, it down to me. It, it is not color. Uh, I'll give you the snippet on the uh, of the podcast because he he does it a lot better than I could do. He do a lot better justice than I could do, and he has a comprehensive uh, solution to it. But pissed off police are pissed off at everybody not just black people or women. He's pissed I off agree with you. at everybody. And the other thing too, now I get into with uh, Benjamin Yu, the communist Chinese agent, right? Is that, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, and people can read it in the book, Stealth War by an American general. He breaks down the game plan, right? What they do is, 
they squeeze the middle class, no matter what color they are. They squeeze poor people in the middle class. Give me a specific example I can research. Type in the name, and, and she hits a lot of boxes, right? Felicity, mm -hmm. Felicity Hoffman. So the Chinese come in and they bribe the admissions person at USC, Stanford, Harvard, and they take a spot from everybody. They take a spot from smart black kid. They take a smart from smart white kid, right? And then you have C-level students like Melissa, Felicity Hoffman's uh, daughter, uh, the, the lady from the Lifetime movies, used to be the mm -hmm. Lifetime Christmas yeah. movies. Uh, her daughter's a marginal student, right? And uh, she gets into Harvard because her mother paid. Of course. Right? So the middle class, why are they out there? Because they're getting squeezed as middle class people. They, they feel they're getting screwed just as much as black people get screwed. Yeah, but the middle class... Their mind, that's, right? Yeah, but, but they yeah, pay for everything in America. Right. Yeah. Interesting. What are the solutions, uh, Dr. John, as we close, and, we, and we'll get back at it next week? Um, so, with all the... About the conditioning stuff and everything else, and here's what I would do for anybody... Model somebody who is su successful. Model what they do, how they act, how they behave, how their values are as a whole nine yards. And you will get the exact same result. But of course you have to have faith in yourself and faith in your higher power, whatever you call it, that's your higher power, right? But here- Right, goes, right. Here, here, it, 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 what, what I want to add to that, yeah, mentorship, right? Mentorship. It's a big element of- Mentorship, coach- Of wealth and equality. Yeah, mentorship, coach, a different voice. But here's a, but here, but here, here's the biggest thing about it. A lot of people they want things to happen like it's um, McDonald's. They order it and they get it right away. Man, sometimes it's gonna take a month. Could take a year. Could take ten years. Could take right. twenty years. But if you still stay focused on is on your goal and to interrupt that conditioning pattern, you can produce amazing results. But it's called, as what we always mentioned, is consistency. The consistency part is going to make it happen, right? And those are the things about it. Model somebody like, for example, um, uh, what's his name? LeBron James. He modeled Warren Buffett. And, you know, Michael Jordan, he modeled another business guy. I mean, you need to have to model people for success. And if you can model them and figure out what they're doing, uh, you can actually create the exact same results. Now, here it goes, guys. I'm going to tell it again. I'm not saying it's easy because it's not because if because the stuff was easy, everybody would do it. Right. And it's going to take some hard work and you're going to fail and you got to have persistence to move forward. But I don't believe sure in failure. Things are going to take place. Yeah. No, no. I believe of that, you know, of that, you know, of, of that failure. Here goes. Failure to me is when you quit. So I do right. believe in failure because there people do quit, exactly. right? That's when you quit, right? Or you don't um, learn from something. The no, no. Some people so, don't quit and don't learn. You well, fail. My book. Right. Well, my biggest thing about it is we do two things in life. Is we win and we learn. 
right? Right. A lot of times I'm on the learning stages. I would love to be on the winning stages more often, but I have to be in the weight room and, and then get stronger and then get smarter and to figure what to, to what actually is take place. But even when you want to change a conditioning pattern, sometimes it's going to happen in a heartbeat. Sometimes it's going to take some time. But but right. if you but if you stay the course and focus on your outcome, you you're going to eventually right. hit your goal. What do you have to say? Yes. What's your solution? Uh, and, and let's do income inequality next 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 week. Okay. Because uh, I am the president of the Orange County Diversity Council. Okay. And Dennis Kennedy, when I met him 10 years ago, he made a brilliant point. And it's that he made the mistake uh, because he was, you know, a player at the University of Houston with uh, uh, the guy that won the Heisman Trophy, Andre Ware. Mm -hmm. And the alumni gave him a, a job, right? And he thought that when you went to a corporation, you would rise on your intelligence and talent. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. You rise in a corporation based on mentorship and who you know. And then within that same company, whoever's getting mentored has information that people around him don't have access to. So that's not a level playing field. So what, that's why when you said mentorship, man, that is so important. Mentorship, does, I mean, Josh, man, that's why people hire me for businesses because it's a different voice. It's a coach. It's showing them how to grow the areas of that, of that, of that like people is not strong at, and that's okay with that, right? But, but, but this is the other thing too. I have clients, $50 million, right? Net worth, $20 million. And I get in meetings and I'm like, why doesn't everyone know this, right? And we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about uh, this is something all poor people should know, middle-class people should know, that I see in meetings with people net worth $20 million, people that are on banks, that uh, do not, this information is not disseminated. And, and, and this helps on a lot of economic inequality levels and it's the 1031 exchange because the 1031 exchange is not only a line in the tax code it is a philosophy on many levels and that's what i'm trying to not trying to do i hate the word try this is what i'm doing this is what dr john and i are doing we're like like I talked about homeless people, a series of levels of things that causes a, re, uh, a recession and homelessness. What Dr. John and I are doing are reversing that and giving you items that on many levels conspires for you to give you the highest probability of success, right? Solution is my solution. Research your local politicians. I'll give you a specific example. Research your local politicians and tell them that 
in honor of George Floyd, the George Floyd murder, 80% of the bids going out in the city must go to Black-owned businesses, whether there or around the country. First, you're going to look for Black-owned businesses within the city. Next, you're going to look for Black-owned businesses within the county. Then you're going to look for Black-owned businesses within the state. That's all pissed. I hear about this. No excuses. This is going on way too long. And me personally am not going to put up with it. No excuses. Too much white supremacy conditioning. Too much BS. So go to your local city council meeting. Go to your county board. And 80% of the bids must go to black owned businesses. So like Dr. John is saying, the pattern is broken and you're not a slave master dependent on the government handout. You're running your own business and you're being self-reliant. Sorry about that, Dr. John. It's just I get no very- No problem. No problem. We all express things in a different way. Well, we all think express things in a different way. Well, guys, it's been a great show. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. And um, Yeah, I always close with Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, right? And I won't make any penny of that if you do something. But you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the Thank I Love South Orange listening. County podcast in the ESBC Podcasting Network. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best there is.